0: Alrighty, welcome back everybody. It's been a while. It's been over a week now since I posted my last video. And I've been on vacation for the past week. So I'm sorry if I didn't get back to some of your messages and some of the emails. Uh, I've been on vacation. We went to somewhere where it was sunny, got away from the bad weather, and went swimming and out to eat and all the good lazy stuff to do on vacation. Everything that wasn't work or investing related is what we did. So it was a lot of fun. Now that I'm back, I feel like right right back into the grind of it right back into real life so that's that's where i'm at right now uh i wanted to to just do a kind of a quick video and catch up on things so uh first of all we had well over i believe well over 100 subscribers since the last video i posted and a a ton more viewership so everybody that's new to the channel welcome aboard Uh, i hope you guys find it entertaining and i hope you find it informative really I have had a lot of good feedback about it so far so a lot of people seem to be uh, wanting more content wanting more videos and that type of thing and I actually had some a lot of emails so I started a new email address that you guys can write in any questions or comments that you have if you don't want to ha- just have them right on YouTube and it's Joseph carlson show at gmail.com. So it's also in the description of the video if you ever want to email me. So I'm trying to get to all of those. And I apologize for not getting into them earlier. Like I've just been on vacation, didn't want to focus on on this stuff too much while I was doing that. But I had a, a handful of emails and I know a lot of YouTube comments and Reddit comments and uh, in other ways where I realized that a lot of people are making investment decisions and actually pretty big financial decisions based off of the philosophy that I have and the advice that I have and the the things that I'm sharing. So first of all, I appreciate that you guys trust what I'm doing and that type of thing as much, but it gave me a, a feeling of weight of responsibility for this type of thing, And I can't promise any kind of returns or any kind of guarantees with this. I'm not one of the ones, if you go to YouTube and you search day trading and you see these people saying you'll make 400 bucks a day and you can work from home and all this type of ridiculous stuff, right? That's not what I'm about. The thing I will say that I will guarantee you is that I'm giving the best advice that I know how. So everything you're seeing from this channel is authentic to what I would do for myself, what I would do for my family. So that is the best advice that I know how that's the only thing that I can give you. I don't know which way the market's going to go or what time's the best time to invest all, you know, all those type of totally unknown questions and nobody does. But, but what I can tell you is that the portfolio you're seeing the the strategy you're seeing based off of my experience and the, and the situation I'm in and the risk tolerance that I have, this is, this is it, this is the best advice that I know how. And so that's that's what you got to take it for what it's worth, right? Other than that, I appreciate everybody that is that's given good feedback and and joining in on this. We've had a lot of new people start investing, start and in funding accounts even through the like even through the referral link. I've had a uh, numerous people start funding accounts up past $1000. So I think anytime that we're getting new people to start investing and to start implementing these type of things, even if their strategy varies, it's a it's a hugely positive thing. So it is a a big thing. When you start gathering and accumulating assets early on in life, the earlier you do it, the better setup you're going to be later. That's a pretty standard thing. And I think that a huge part of, I don't know if it's different in different countries, but at least a huge part I see in the American educational system is that you go through and you learn learn basic skill sets of how to make money, but you don't learn anything that has to do with your financial IQ or building up real wealth, what to do with your money after you earn it. So if... Anything, if this channel can help people stay motivated, start investing, start putting their money to work for them, I think that's a, a really great thing. So I appreciate everybody that's given support and I'm excited for everybody that's starting to get into it. It's a lot of fun. Anyway, I'll, I'll go on and give a uh, quick portfolio update and I'll just touch on some new things and then answer a few questions for this for this video. So the first thing is, is let's look at the, well, let's look at how the account's doing. I've been showing this on my screen. The returns are obviously pretty good, right? And we're up three thousand. One thing I wanted to talk about with this return, I just thought about this today because I was just curious, and I went in and punched my home in on Zillow, right? Zillow is the the website. It's one of the websites that it has like every home cataloged, and it gives you an estimate of your the value of your home. And so I have a home valued is currently valued up really high right now. It's like four hundred eighty thousand. I bought it for a lot less than that, but Uh, It's gone up a lot over the past two years. Now, just this past month, in a 30-day period, my home value has gone down by Zillow's estimate $6,400. I would show you, but I don't wanna show you guys my address and home. I mean, this is the internet. So uh, I'd rather not do that. But the home itself went down $6,400 in a 30-day period. And you think about that, and that's just as if these stocks, these equities which are just like, it's like buying a home. You're buying something that's real. There's companies behind these. These aren't just tickers. These aren't just fancy things on your computer. They're real companies and they go up and down in value. Now imagine this going down $6,400 in a one month period, right? I have a lot more equity in my home than I do in this portfolio. So the huge majority of my net worth is tied up in my house. But regardless, the thing that I thought about is that doesn't mean much to me. If My home goes up and down in value in a 30 day period. Doesn't mean anything. I just go, oh, okay. Well, it'll it'll be back up in a couple, you know, couple years. The housing market has dipped down a little bit recently. If I go over to Fred, uh, finance this financial website and the home values. Okay, so here's a graph of the average price of homes being sold. Now, if you go to this graph and you you look at this, you can see homes as an investment. And you can see the 2009 recession there. And you can see right here. So I bought my home a little bit before this bump. And so it went up a lot in value, but then it's come down a little bit. But what I was thinking about with this is that my home dropped down that much in value and I'm not panicked at all about it. I just hold it and know that my home's going to go up in value later on. And I feel like the more that you can apply that temperament and that mentality to these holdings and realize that your companies are actual companies. They're not just stock tickers. And that they might go up in value and they might go down in value all within a week or within a month period, the better suited you're gonna to be to understanding what you own. Because if you had a a ticker that tracked the value of your home every single day based off of based off of the average sale price and all of that, I think you can actually do that with Zillow. You can't it doesn't show a day-to-day graph, but you'd have a similar thing to the stock market, where it would go up and down every single day, but over long trends it would start to look more like this, where it goes up over time. And, and I think it's, I think it's wise for people to look at their investments as if they're real assets and real companies. And just keep that in mind when you're, when you're doing this, don't get too wrapped up into the day to day on it. Other than that, let's look at the week view. So if I go here down $22 for the week, so I came back and I was like, all right, not too much happened. But if I actually look at like the day swings here, I mean, we had some pretty big day swings, just. Friday, it went down 149 bucks. So it must've been up and down all throughout the week, but I landed negative 22. It was the market gain negative 35, but I earned 13 bucks, 17 cents in dividends. So let's go into the activity and see what actually happened with dividends where we earned these. So if I go to six days ago, $17 and two cents in dividends, Estee Lauder, next era, Maine and Realty Income Corp. Now, these all paid out dividends, and then I had some cash in there, five buys. It's buying more and more Boeing because Boeing has been dropping from where it was, and so M1 automatically allocates it to the low, the holdings that are lower. But you can see I'm buying this and then I'm buying some bonds. That's five. That's six days ago. Now, if we go to five days ago, we have another dividend. Duke Energy, $8.98. I put in some cash hundred bucks in and you can see everything it's buying here. Just buying a bunch of holdings that are underfunded, more bonds. Let's go four days ago. Dividends 39 cents from one holding that I put in 250 bucks. That's why. I, so this wouldn't invest by itself because it's not $10. Since I threw in a bunch of cash, it got invested with it. So all of these purchases are pretty much just cash. Two days ago, just dividends. So this is over 10 bucks. $14.80 from Dominion Energy. And that bought a lot of Boeing and a little bit of some other industrial companies. So here's the thing is, M1 decides it. I'm buying more and more Boeing. If Boeing keeps dropping, I'm getting a higher yield on my purchases for Boeing and so far, they haven't given any kind of signal that they'll be cutting their dividend or anything that drastic, right? We g- we get some bad news out of them. So uh, earlier this week, I think I was just reading that some, I can't remember what country it was, but they canceled like an order of like 40 planes or something. So bad things can happen to Boeing. Their stock price can go down. If it's a huge trend and everybody starts canceling their orders, then I could see Boeing going down. I just think it's going to be a short-lived thing, personally. I think uh, that... They're the only alternative, Airbus, already has a huge backlog as well. To there's not too many other places you can go to get aircraft orders for an entire airline. So, anyway, I don't mind. I don't mind M1 continuing to purchase Boeing. If I was afraid that Boeing was never going to come back up in price, all I would do is I would drop the allocation of Boeing so the M1 stops purchasing it. But I'm not. I'm not about to do that. I think it's fine. It's purchasing it. So that's it. We just had. Uh, six days ago, five, four, and two, really three of these days were good Good payouts that it bought dividends throughout the week. Uh, and then we earned we earned $13. So the money, it's the circle of the portfolio. It's flowing in, purchasing more companies, doing its thing. Mm-hmm. Overall return was down for the week. For the month, up $267 altogether, $95 in earned dividends. So I want to try to keep this above $100. But the way that they're paid out it's not always going to be a hundred dollars yet until my portfolio gets more and more valuable until i purchase more and more shares of these companies but that is pretty much it i wanted to respond to a couple questions and i wanted to go over some news so i'll jump to i'm going to jump back and forth a little bit here one of the questions and i believe i answered this on youtube but it's from um john jones it's on one of these videos here i think it's on this last one but, anyways, he asked, I'll just read it off. Yeah, he says, what is your ultimate goal with dividend stocks you own? Are you trying to get a number that replaces all your income and your retirement or just part of it? And now, this is a really good question is what is what is kind of the end goal with all of this? And I I had to think about that for a while. I thought about it when I was initially investing it, but really the ultimate goal is to separate myself from the need to go to work. So For instance, true wealth to me is being able to say, well, I I don't wanna work anymore actively and I can still afford my current lifestyle. That would mean that you're really wealthy. If you can quit your day job, if you don't have to give your time to someone else in exchange for money, your time and effort to someone else in exchange for money and you still are able to maintain your lifestyle, people that have that, they have a lot of wealth because wealth is passive income constantly flowing in that affords your lifestyle without you having to actively work for it most people that do that they do they do passive income requires some kind of management so even if you own m1 portfolio where i can i make these youtube videos but i could realistically probably do this once once a month maybe spend a couple hours going over it once a quarter so that's pretty passive if i had enough money in my m1 account if i had a few million in it I could, afford it. I could afford everything I want and not ever have to go into work just by the yield. I'd never have to sell anything in the account. Now, you can do that through apartments. Uh, rich people do it through all sorts of ways. They own businesses and they take out business withdrawals from it. So they kind of pay themselves from the business, but they're the owner. They hire other people to manage it and CEOs to run it. Realistically, what I want to do is I want to slowly move myself away from having to actively work. Doesn't mean I'm not going to actively work, but I want my active work to be 100% based on just passion, what I want to do, what I want to do with my free time, the type of constructive things I want to do. And beyond that, I, I can still have money flowing in otherwise. So that's kind of the dream. The thing I like about dividend portfolios is it's not all or nothing. It's not like you have to get to that point where everything's paid for, and then you start withdrawing from your portfolio and living on it like you would with capital appreciation. With dividends, if I had if I had 500,000, right? And I was getting 500, 600, 700 a month or whatever based on the current yield and the, the cost of the yield. Now, I would be able to separate myself partially from that. So expenses that I had, would have that would normally be 500, 600 bucks, I could just cover those completely with passive income. So I like that with dividends, you can gauge exactly where you are from shifting over from your normal work to having your life funded without having to work. The greatest goal, the best goal would be to have it so that I can just do everything with my lifestyle that I want, that I'm already doing with my active income without having to work for it, without having to actively work for it. Realistically, even if I got to the point where it just covered my base expenses, my mortgage, my utilities, and insurance and gas for cars, and some basic groceries, that would be great. By the time I do get there, I might pay off my home early and and get that mortgage out of the way. If I got that mortgage out of the way, then my biggest expense is just being insurances and utilities and and food. That would be a lot easier for my dividend portfolio to cover. So that's kind of the two-part goal is to pay down my mortgage and have my dividends cover the base cost of living. Even if I had the base cost of living covered, I'd feel pretty financially free. That's a long way to put it, but yeah, I really like dividend portfolios for the fact that once you get to a certain point, you can just fund your lifestyle indefinitely with the yield of your portfolio. Now, beyond that, I had another question here that was, let's go down to this one. So Hans Eggert says, could you make a video or even just a list of where you show what videos, articles, books you use to jump into investing? I'm new to this game, and I want to be as knowledgeable as possible going in. I appreciate you. Well, thank you, first of all. I'm glad uh, that you're getting some use out of the things that, that I'm sharing. Now, I'll tell you some of the things that I got into it. My dad first gave me a book on investing called One Up on Wall Street. Let me look it up here. Here's a book. One Up on Wall Street, and it's by Peter Lynch. Here's what it looks like. This book is a pretty awesome book on investing. Now, I don't follow everything he does perfectly. He's he's definitely based off of buying good growth companies. But I don't... My strategy, I'm not saying it's the my way or the highway. There's no other good ways of investing. I've read lots of books and lots of different investing styles. And I stick with my dividend growth investing style because it really fits with my personality and the goals that I have. But he gives a lot of good, valuable information. Peter Lynch is probably one of the best investors to ever live. I know that a few investors get all the acknowledgement, like Warren Buffett gets all the acknowledgement. But Peter Lynch, he ran the Magellan Fund from Fidelity, which was a mutual fund. But he, he ran it similar to like a hedge fund where he'd just buy as many companies as he wants and he would actively go in and buy ones that he thought were undervalued. And he shows how he did diligence, all the uh, qualitative research on different companies, and really try to evaluate th- their their future and the products that they sold and all the different things that he looked at really opened my eyes to all the things outside of the just numbers part of it. So he didn't just look at P/E ratio and their debt. He looked at tons of other factors of qualitative research, and that's where it opens your eye. So that's what you can do with even dividend companies is apply a lot of the things from this book. But one up on Wall Street's great uh, Peter Lynch. He He pretty much doubled the market average. So what the S&P 500 was returning, he doubled that for about 12 years straight. And I mean, that was average was doubling it for that long. So that's not a mistake. When you double the market for 12 years, the whole time that you run the fund, that's not that's not a fluke when you're doing that year over year. So he's an incredibly smart investor. And one of the things I love about him is he also goes totally against the whole idea that the individual investor has no chance except for just investing in index funds. He says that the individual investor, the, the private individual investor, has a lot of advantages that big institutes don't have. And so he comes from, a, from that framework. He thinks that you and I, that we have a lot of advantages with the products that we interact with, the way that we view businesses, that institutional investors do not have. This is one of the books I read really early on. It, a lot of it was, it just got me excited about investing. If anything, it will, it's a pretty motivating book. I think it's a lot easier read than some of the other ones. So if you have like The Intelligent Investor, that one's like, I think a lot heavier read than this one. This one is, I, I thought it was really easy to read through. I read through it in like a few days. That's one of them. The other investors that I'll mention by name that I think are great to do any research on and to try to just gain as much knowledge that they have because what you can do is you can look up YouTube videos of these guys and listen to lots of different questions and answers that they've given. A lot of the research I've done is honestly just from YouTube, websites like YouTube, Investopedia, reading definitions of things, researching into it, viewing a lot of different comments and, and uh, commentary on different things. But a lot of investors that I really stuck to that I like, and I like the things that they have to say, is Warren Buffett, his partner, Charlie Munger an investor that runs Oak Tree Hill called Howard Marks and then Peter Lynch. So those are four investors that I would look at are Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, Howard Marks, and Peter Lynch. And they, for all different various reasons. So if you look up any videos from any of them, they all have different approaches. They all do completely different investment strategies. Howard Marks, for example, doesn't own any, any equities. He invests in he invests in debt. So he invests 100% in debt and like distressed debt, but his understanding of market cycles and his understanding of investing and especially his understanding of risk and how to implement and control for risk in your investments is unparalleled. I think Howard Marks is a genius with teaching people really how to understand risk and how to use that to make it so that your portfolio is tailored to your risks. So that's where I would recommend starting off is just looking at YouTube videos of these guys. I would recommend reading that book um I'm trying to think if there's there's other great books a lot of the information is just online so investopedia is so good for giving detailed answers on things you don't have to make it too complicated and read read really complex books on it other than that I wanted to I wanted to transition over and comment on something in the news so last week I talked about the whole Spotify European uh regulators and their complaints against apple right so spotify launched this whole complaint against apple to the european regulators in hopes that they would regulate their music business and i just want to point out so if we look at this i tweeted this out but google fined 1.7 billion dollars by the eu for unfair advertising rules so this just happened this week now when i read through this this didn't surprise me one bit like the article says let's see where it says it Here's where it says it. The fine worth about $1.7 billion, is the third against Google by the European Union since 2017, reinforcing the reason's position as the world's most aggressive watchdog of an industry with an increasingly powerful role in society and global economy. So they've fined Google three times since 2017, and the fines equal about 8.2 billion euros or 9.3 billion USD. So that's a tremendous amount of money in just a 3-year uh, a 3-year period that Google has been fined just by the European Union. The reason I point this out is to show you how good of a strategy this is for Spotify because they're they are arguing, they're they're complaining to a regulator that is not afraid to put big restrictions and slap big fines on us tech companies they've demonstrated that that they're willing to do that so it's really smart for spotify to complain about this because they're complaining to people that have a history of doing this and that may, may use it as a reason to do this now if we go further on All right, so here is where they actually explain what they're fining Google for the unfair practices. It says the fine centers on contracts that license the use of Google Search Bar on websites run by newspapers, blogs, travel services, and other companies. European regulators said that operators of third party websites using Google Search Bar had been required to display a disproportionate number of text ads from Google's own advertising service over competing digital advertising companies. So, Put that in plain English. When Google made it so that you can use their search engine on your website, they said, well, to do that, you have to use our ad business as well. And we want to make it so you use more of our ads than other competitors. So it's kind of like a package deal. They're just packaging what they're doing. And you have to take the whole package. You can't just take parts of it a la carte. Now, European Union didn't like that. They said the practice regulators said undercut competitors such as Microsoft and Yahoo that were trying to challenge Google in the search. Here's the thing is everything they said is true. it undercuts competitors. It's a competitive advantage that Google has i don't I don't see how this is any different than what any company does anywhere in the world and like I keep giving this example Coca cola in lots of restaurant chains it's the only drink that they're allowed to sell Coca cola says if you want to sell our drinks, you can only sell our drinks. You can't sell our drinks right next to Pepsi and right next to uh, Red Bull and and all these different companies that are owned by different people. You can only sell our drinks. Now that's pretty much what Google's saying here is if you want our search bar, you can only have our search bar, our ads. We don't want our search bar right next to other people's advertising, advertising products. Google's an advertising. The only reason they run a search is so that they can have you go through and show their own ads. They're an advertising company. The exclusivity and the part where that pushes out competitors, that's done everywhere you look, everywhere in business. Now, Google's being fined $1.8 billion for it. European regulators aren't shy at all at doing this. I think it's a smart move by Spotify. I wonder how it will work with Apple, though, with their case. I think that if they really say that they can't sell their products or they have to do all these type of things, I think Apple's going to fight that really hard. More than just having to pay some taxes or having to pay a fine when it comes to actually having to put more regulations on their app store and making it so that they have to differentiate between the app store and their music service. I think they're going to fight that extremely aggressively. So this is what Google, you know, $1.8 billion is like 1% of their yearly revenue, 5% of their profit. I think uh, for Google, this isn't too big of a deal. I mean, they're pretty much paying a speeding ticket, they're gonna they're gonna go on with it. They'll fight it and delay it and do all these different things. Even all these fines, they the 8.2 billion dollars so far, they haven't even paid any of it yet. They just kept delaying it legally. So they're going through all these appeals process. They're gonna keep doing that. It'll be interesting to play out. I just wanted to give you that little update. This just goes to show that Spotify knows what they're doing with who they're who they're filing their complaint against. And I think it's a a pretty smart move. I know that it might sour some people from the service, but it's a pretty smart move overall if you actually look at what they're doing. But other than that, there's really not too much to talk about for this week. It was a it was a pretty flat week. I didn't have too much time to read through the news and and that type of thing like I said, I was vacationing, so i wasn't I wasn't trying to check investing news or keep up on those type of topics. so I will have more structured videos coming up this week. I wanted to show you just for the week performance for the individual sectors you can see that the real estate and bonds were what counteracted the fall in a lot of different equities. This portfolio went down point zero seven percent while the s p 500 fell. 0.7 percent, so quite a bit more, and that's that's why I like having a lot of different asset classes. So real estate, bonds, and and equities, I think balance each other out a little bit, and they they smooth in things out, so they're not quite as harsh when there's up and downs. But other than that, uh, I just want to do a quick video. Let you I hope you guys have a good Sunday and a, and a good rest of the week. I'll be uh, I'll be posting more this week as well. I wanted to do one video, so I mentioned my home and that type of thing. And I wanted to do a video on how I got into the situation that I'm in right now. I've had a lot of, I think a lot of fortunate decisions. I'm not gonna say all of it was, was just based off of knowledge. Some of it, some of the things that happen are, you know, there's a lot of luck involved with it as well. But I'm gonna do a video on how important savings are a lot of the, the situation that I'm in right now financially for my age is based off of having a little bit of savings early on to take advantage of different deals. And if you don't have that savings, you can't take advantage of the deals. So I want to do a video on that of how I built up my net worth, because what you're seeing is one part of my overall net worth. This is just a uh, investment portfolio, but the huge majority of my net worth is in equity in my current home. And I wanted to show you the, just the timeline of how I was able to make that happen. I think it'll be an interesting video. I'll, I'll plan on doing that one, th- one with you and let you guys know that other aspect that is outside of this circle of investment here. And then I'm gonna keep going through. And if you guys have questions, keeping emailing questions and keep answering them on YouTube. Sometimes if I think that other people might be interested with the same answer, I hope you guys are okay with me sharing your question on the video. If you email me and you... Don't want your question brought up or talked about at all on the video, just mention somewhere in the email that you want to keep it private and then I won't talk about it on the video. Otherwise, if I think it's a, a great question or a great commentary that other people might benefit, I plan on using some of these emails and talking about them on this show or some of the YouTube comments too, like I have been. I hope to hear from you guys. I want to hear how you, your investments are doing where you guys are at. I think investing should be a fun thing to talk about and finances shouldn't be such a taboo topic. We don't want to have it where people don't talk about it and people don't learn from each other. So I think it's a, a a good thing to share it and do this. I hope you guys have a good week. I will be talking to you soon. We'll see you.